This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. We come to First uh, Samuel chapter number 17, a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, to most of us. Uh, we have heard this story as it's been recounted countless times, perhaps in Sunday school as a child growing up. Uh, it is used in all types of analogous ways, even in a secular setting, the David and Goliath comparison. Uh, but I want us, as we approach this, uh, to approach it with an open heart and ask God by His Spirit to speak to us, because this is not just simply the story of a little shepherd boy who defeated a mean, ugly giant. Uh, this is the story of God's purpose and plan of redemption for His people. And uh, this this event, as we read through it here in 1 Samuel 17, is as relevant to us today as it was to the people of Israel then. And so may God help us to receive his truth and understand it. Uh, we come here to verse number 1. We'll read through verse number 11. We will not by any means uh, be able to cover uh, this entire chapter, so we'll take it in bite-sized pieces, and we'll begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah in Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Let me just tell you uh, what that would translate to today. Nine and a half feet tall. Here's a man, nine and a half feet tall. Imagine this man. And the Bible tells us that he, in verse 5, had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had 126 pounds of brass covering his torso. In verse number 6, the Bible said he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. 
The Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I want you to notice the phrase that we find in verse number 10. The Bible said, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. I want to speak to you on this subject, a defiant foe, a defiant foe. Uh, Goliath here is the adversary. He's the champion of the Philistines, and his chief tactic of intimidation and threat is his defiance. Not only his defiance of the armies of Israel, but his defiance of the God of Israel. The defiant foe, the enemy who defies. And we all have an enemy. He's a common enemy, and he is a defiant enemy. And this is what we find the people of Israel dealing with here in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I want us to pray together. And let's ask the Lord to open to our hearts an understanding of his word and for God to speak to us. And let's pray that God would help us to respond to his voice. Our Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray that you would use your word in the lives of your people. We pray for those who are gathered here with us who may not know you as their Savior, that today you would confront them lovingly with the knowledge of their lost condition, that you would help them to respond in obedience to you and to be saved. We pray for those who know you, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to understand the foe that we are dealing with. Help us to engage in the battle. Help us, as Paul wrote, to fight the good fight of faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray it. Amen. Here is this defiant giant, and he has stood now within the valley, and he is defying the armies of Israel. Notice, if you would, please, in verse number 25. The Bible said, And the men of Israel said, Seen this man that is come up, surely to defy Israel is he come up. Then again, I want you to notice in verse 26, the Bible said, And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of of the living God. Now, Webster defines this word defy for us. He says it is to dare. It is to provoke to combat or strife by manifesting a contempt for the opposition. It is to defy with arguments or to defy the power and authority of one who is a judge. And so we find that Goliath is shaking his ugly fist in the face of the men of Israel, and in the face of God. And he said, nobody is going to be able to fight me. We are going to take over. We are going to rule over you Israelites. You are no longer going to serve your God. You are going to serve our gods. We are going to oppress you and make your life bitter. We want control of your children. We want control of every element of your life, and there's nothing you or anybody can do about it. 
This is the attitude of Goliath. It was the attitude of the Philistines. And I want you to know this is the attitude of the enemies of God today. Because although we will not see a man nine and a half feet tall stand in front of us, uh, the devil has his supermen in this world who are in places of positions, places and positions, excuse me, of authority and power who would seek to intimidate, who would seek uh, to hinder, who would seek to destroy the work of Almighty God. And may God help us today as we face this defiant foe. I mentioned this last week to you, but I think it bears repeating because of the shocking nature of the statement that was made. But recently, a congressman, Jerry Nadler, stood on the, uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives in the United States, and he rebuked a congressman who had read the Scripture uh, during that hearing. And Mr. Nadler, when he rose, said this as he addressed the congressman from Florida, Mr. Stubbe, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Imagine being brazen enough to stand on the floor of the House of Representatives with the image of Moses the lawgiver behind you and to say that what any religious tradition would say is the will of God is of no concern of this Congress. And obviously, that is a true statement as we gauge the work of the Congress today and the positions that our Congress and our government leaders have taken. There is no concern in their hearts and minds uh, for the will of God. Now, I am grateful, and you should be too, for those who are there, who do know the Lord, who do love God, who do love this nation, and are seeking uh, to uh, help the people and who are seeking to please God. We ought to be thankful for that. But by and large, what we see today taking place is a giant. There are many of them standing in the valley of Elah with their fists in the air, defying the armies of the living God and defying the God of Israel, our God. And so may God help us and may God speak to us today. Now, I want you to note three things. I want to share these thoughts with you as we look at this passage. Number one, I want you to see the unending conflict, the unending conflict. And then secondly, I want us to see the unbeatable champion. And then finally, the unanswered challenge, the unending conflict, the unbeatable champion, and the unanswered challenge. Let's look first of all at the unending conflict. The Bible tells us here in verse number one, the Philistines, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Shoko, which belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shoko and Ezekiah in Ephesdemim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. Now, I want us to get the setting. The battle was set in array. On two mountain peaks were the two armies, the Philistines on one side and the Israelites on the other. 
The armies were in camp. The battle was set in array. This continued, as we learned through the story, this continued for 40 days. In between these two mountains was the Valley of Elah. This is the valley that the giant would decide to occupy. He would come down from the mountain, from the camp of the Philistines, and he would stand in the midst of the valley. Uh, here we find uh, these armies are prepared for battle. Now, if there's something that most of us do not like, it is conflict. It is the constant battles that we have in our lives. And as Christians, we need to understand this, that we are facing a spiritual conflict. We are engaged in a spiritual warfare. As the Bible tells us in, in, the, uh, in the book of Ephesians in the sixth chapter, uh, that we have an enemy. Uh, Paul said in uh, verse number 12 of Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, our enemy is not another person. We have an enemy that is far more superior than that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our adversary is Satan himself. He is a spiritual being. He is a created being of God who rebelled against God and fell from heaven, and a third of the angels joined him in that rebellion. And so there is a spiritual battle and conflict that is being waged against the kingdom of God and the people of God. This conflict is unending. Now, Jesus Christ is the conqueror. He's the captain of our salvation. He defeated the devil. But until he comes and binds Satan and throws him in uh, to that pit where he will abide forever, until that day happens, you and I are facing spiritual battles. And so may God help us to understand and to accept the fact that we are engaged in an unending conflict, the battle between good and evil, the battle between righteousness and wickedness, the battle between God and the devil. Now, this battle is engaged, and it is raging all around us. And here we find the children of Israel who had selected for themselves a king. Remember, we established that last week. The children of Israel said, we want a king, make us a king. And the king they wanted and the king they got was Saul. He was their king. Now, why did the children of Israel ask for a king? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, in verse number 20, the children of Israel made it plain, they made it clear that they wanted a king who would go out before us and fight our battles. That's the, that's the phrase they use in 1 Kings 8 or 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 20. We want a man, we want a king who will go out before us and fight our battles. Now, what kind of man was Goliath? He was the man who went out before the Philistines, and he was the man who was going to fight their battles. And so the people of Israel said, We don't want Samuel leading us anymore, this prophet. We don't want any more of the judges leading us. We want a king. We want to be like the other nations because we want security. People want security, and we want conflict. And the absence of peace not only brings conflict to our world, but it 
it causes turmoil in our lives. And so the people of Israel, they desired a king, and they got one. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 9, if you'd like to look there with me, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 15, that God had a purpose for Saul. Look at it, if you would, please, in verse 15. 1 Samuel chapter number 9 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people. Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is coming to me. You see, the Philistines, when they had the upper hand and the power over the people of Israel, they made their lives dreadful. And God, in his mercy, said, I'm going to give the people a king. That's what they've asked for. And this king that I'm going to give, if he will do my will, he will deliver my people. But when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 17, what do we find? We find the Philistines are still there. In fact, the Bible says they gathered together in verse 1 of chapter number 17. They gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah. What we find is that during the reign of Saul, not only did he fail to drive back the Philistines, but the Philistines were advancing. They were advancing into the territory of Judah. They were making progress. This conflict was raging. Saul, the king that they looked to, the champion that they longed for, was failing in his responsibility. And the people had forgotten that the secret was not in the man that they followed. The secret was in the God that they knew. And when they forgot him and when they forsook him, they suffered the consequences. Look with me, if you would, into 1 Samuel chapter number 12. 1 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 6. Samuel is coming near to the end of his public ministry, and he is speaking unto the people. In verse number 6, the Bible said, And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and to your fathers. The point that Samuel is making here is that the people had turned away from God as their king and had looked to a man. Notice in verse number 8, when Jacob was coming to Egypt and your fathers cried unto the Lord, when the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place, he said, when they cried in the middle of their bondage in Egypt, what did God do? He heard their cry, and he sent a deliverer, Moses and Aaron. In verse number 9, and when they, what's the next word, church? When they forgot the Lord their God. That's what we're all prone to do. That's what's happened in America. We have forgotten God. That's what's happened during a pandemic. When we ought to be seeking God, what have we found? So many have forgotten him and forsaken him. And so the Bible says in verse 9, And when they forgot 
the Lord their God, what happened? He sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Verse 10, and they, what's the next word, church? Cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned. You see, when they forgot God, God's hand of protection and blessing was withdrawn. He allowed the enemy to come in. And when the enemy came in, they recognized they were reaping the consequences of their sin. And in the midst of their sin, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord and repented of their sin. Verse 11, God heard their cry, and the Lord sent Jeroboam and Badan and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and ye dwelled safely. What is Samuel trying to do here? What is the point of his message? The point of his message is to say, wait a minute, don't look for any man or any machine to deliver you. Look to God. And what you and I must recognize is that we are in an unending conflict. You wake up with it, and I wake up with it every day. It's manifest in the lives of our children. It's manifest in our daily work life. We hear it repeated on the news day in and day out. Uh, Satan and, and his forces at working to advance the kingdom of darkness in this world and, and the temptation that comes to us and the difficulty that comes to us and the trials that come to us, and it seems like it's never going to end. How do we survive? How do we thrive as Christians? We have to learn to look to God in the midst of this unending conflict. I used to think as a young man that there would be a point in my life where the battles would all just kind of fade away, that I would arrive at some plane of spirituality where I was almost above temptation and uh, that no trouble would come. I've learned the opposite is true. The older you get, the harder it gets. You, if you're raising young children and, and you know, you're, you're working every day trying to struggle through and get them ready for school and, and be able to buy them clothes, and, and you think, I, I can't wait for these kids to grow up so all these problems will go away. Oh, listen. <laughs> That's when they're just beginning. And you think the golden years are going to be the time you enjoy? Well, I know a lot of people living in them and through them. You see, the battle is there. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. And there is a work of Satan against the church. And we, we sense it and we see it manifest in these days. And may God help us to be aware of this unending conflict. Number two, the unbeatable champion. Verse number four, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. This was an imposing champion. Now, I want you to notice the, the word champion here means a man who undertakes a combat in the place or cause of another. The two armies are encamped upon the mountain. Goliath looks at his buddies and says, I don't know that they were his buddies, probably his subjects. And he says, boys, you, boys, you just sit here in your easy chair. 
I'll go down the valley. I'll take care of this. And so I want you to imagine, here's these, these uh, soldiers of Saul and King Saul. They're standing there. They're getting ready to fight the Philistines. And then they see this guy, nine and a half feet tall, walk down into the valley. What an imposing figure. Can you imagine how big this guy was? We know how tall he was. Now, he's not one of these seven-footers that, you know, come to college and they're just all bones, you know. You're, you get really excited because your team signs a seven-footer. And then he gets to campus and you see this guy can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Now, this is like a Shaquille O'Neal. I saw Shaquille O'Neal play in college, and uh, he is an imposing fella. He's athletic. He's big. He's strong. He can push people around. And, uh, you know, this, this is a guy that is, he's serious. You see a seven-foot guy that big coming your way, you're not going to mess with him. Here's a nine-foot guy, a nine-and-a-half-foot guy, that big, that strong, that coordinated, that skilled. He's an imposing kind of fella. He has a coat of armor made of brass that weighs 126 pounds. It doesn't even bother him. The shaft of his spear is so large, no normal man can even grip it. The spear's head alone weighs 15 pounds, and he can sling it with accuracy. I mean, this is an intimidating, imposing figure. John Woodhouse, in his commentary, points out that the Philistines had superior technology than the Israelites had. What does he mean by that? Well, look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Would you look there with me? 1 Samuel chapter number 13. I mean, here's this big guy. He, he can take on everybody, right? But he's, he's got all this armor, and he's got, he's got this weapon. He's got a sword. I mean, this guy's big, and he's, he's powerful. And what do the Israelites have? Well, look at it in 1 Samuel 13, verse 19. Now, there was no blacksmith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Verse 21, yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goats. So these guys didn't have any weapons, and their farm utensils, they couldn't even sharpen them. They had to take them to the Philistines to get them sharpened. There was no blacksmith to make all this weaponry. And the Bible tells us in verse 22, so it came to pass in the day of battle. Now, what do you need in the day of battle? You need weapons. In the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were, in, that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and with Jonathan his son was there found. There's only two guys with swords. That's the king and his son. That's it. 
doesn't seem like a very fair fight, right? I mean, here's this big, imposing fella. And by the way, not only was he imposing, he was impenetrable. He was covered in brass. And, he, and to top it all off, he had a guy who was bearing his shield go before him. Imagine how big that shield was. A man had to carry that shield. He looked like a tank rolling down the side of that mountain. And you're looking at this guy, and here's what you're thinking. There's no way we're going to beat him. No way. I mean, look at all of this. We can't touch him. And when we see what's happening in our world, in our culture, big tech, it's oppression of free speech. You know what speech they really want to stop? Make no mistake about it. This is the speech they want to stop. And all that's contained therein. And we think, well, my goodness, they've got the political power. What a machine they have. They have the technology. They, they have the money. They have everything. What imposing, impenetrable champions they have. And then lastly, we see this, the unanswered challenge. What does this imposing, impenetrable champion do? He utters a challenge. Look at it in verse 8. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you. Let me just pause right there. They already had. His name was Saul. And when it came crunch time, we don't find Saul down in the valley. We see him on top of the mountain with his knees knocking, pointing at somebody, saying, why don't somebody go? You see, everything we think, listen, everything we think that we don't have and that we think we need, those aren't the things we need. There's only one thing that we need, and that's Jesus. We've got a sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. We have a shield. It's the shield of faith. We have a helmet. It's the helmet of righteousness. We have a breastplate. It is, uh, it, it is the helmet of salvation. The breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness wherewith uh, we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You see, there's no weapon that Goliath or Satan can form against us that will prosper. He said, choose you out a man. Well, they'd already tried that. Let him come down to me, verse 8. And if he be able, verse 9. Well, there was no man able to fight him, right? If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. 
You see, what is it that the enemy, the foe, wants? He wants complete surrender. He wants submission. He wants you to give up your God. He wants you to give up your Bible. He wants you to give up your truth. Not your truth. Excuse me, that's an expression of the world. His truth, God's truth. That's what he wants you to give up. And by the way, he finds lots of people to do it today. But how does it go with you? How about in your home? Sir, are you willing to stand? Or do you bow down to the giant? Ma'am, are you willing to stand? Or do you find yourself bowing down? Young person, he's raised his ugly voice against you, and he wants you to surrender to him. He wants domination. I said in the 8.30 service, the thing that disturbs me most about what's going on in our country is that most Christians don't seem disturbed by it. I'll guarantee you, on that mountain, there were some men who were concerned. Because when they saw this unbeatable champion, and they began to deal with the reality that their children and their wives would be taken into Philistine bondage, that their children would be taught to worship the gods of the Philistines, that they would not be in control or have freedom of their own lives, that they would not be able to serve their own God according to the dictates of their conscience and, and the doctrine of the Holy Scripture. I can imagine that they were concerned, but so many who named the name of Jesus with their lips don't seem to be concerned today. We need to get concerned. We need to get concerned about revival. We need to be concerned about what's going on in the lives of our kids and our young people. We need to be concerned about our community. We need to be concerned enough to give them the gospel. We need to be concerned enough to enter into prayer for them. We need to be concerned. You see, the alternative was bondage, servitude to the Philistines. You know, Sometimes the devil can make it seem sweet at first taste to serve him, but it's always terrible to digest. The Egyptians, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, they made the Israelites to serve with rigor and made their lives bitter with hard bondage. You know what the devil wants to do with you? He wants to destroy your life. He, he can make a drug look appealing, and even feel appealing. But it will ultimately destroy your life. Sir, he can make that woman in the office that's not your wife look appealing. But the end is more bitter than wormwood. Young person, he can make rebellion seem appealing, lies appealing, but the end is destruction. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof 
is the ways of death. So what did he do? He gave a challenge. Look at it in verse 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Nobody in the entire army answered the challenge. Nobody. I wonder today, will you answer it? Not long after this, a little shepherd boy would come in from Bethlehem, and he would hear what this ugly giant had to say. And he would say, I'll go. Just a teenage boy. Not even old enough and qualified enough to be in the army. He said, I'll go. You know, it really doesn't matter what your qualifications are as long as you're willing, as long as you're available. Would you make yourself available to God? Do you hear the giant? Do you see him? He's imposing. Do you hear his threats? It's incomprehensible what comes out of the mouths of the giants of our day, is it not? When I heard Nadler say that, I couldn't believe it. I thought the gall. I feared for that man. I still fear for that man. And I pray that God would grant him mercy and that he would repent. But if he doesn't, that statement will ring in his ears through all eternity in the lake of fire. challenge is going forward. Are you willing to answer it? We see here this defiant foe. With an unending conflict, you and I are dealing with it every day. And there's nothing that we can look to other than to the Lord for daily victory. May God help us to look to him. This unbeatable champion who intimidates us, who seems impenetrable. I got some good news for you. He's already been defeated. You see, Satan raged against the creation of God. He's led the kings of the earth in rebellion to God. But one day there was a little baby born in Bethlehem. And that baby was the Son of God. And that baby grew into a man who healed the sick, who taught with authority, who defeated the devil in the wilderness when he tempted him, who cast out devils, and who ultimately went to the cross and laid down his life for you and I. He suffered and bled and died on that cross. And oh, how the devil and his demonic host howled with glee 
But what they didn't realize is that on the third day, he came out of that tomb victorious over death and hell. What is it that people are so afraid of today? Why have we shut down an entire nation? Because people don't want to get sick. Because they don't want to die. That's the great giant that many are facing. Jesus won the victory. He won the victory. You see, I'm not looking, when I look at Goliath and an unbeatable champion, I'm looking at a defeated champion. Jesus has won the victory. And you can share in that victory if you will confess your sin and receive him as your Savior. You can share in it. And you can live not in bondage to the devil and to sin, but you can live in freedom to Christ. Will you answer the challenge? Will our church answer the challenge? Will you answer it in your home? Will you answer it in your school? Will you answer it in your place of work? And say, there is a cause, as David said. I'm going to step forward. I'm going to speak for God. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to make decisions about my marriage that God would have me to make. I'm going to make decisions for my children that God would have me to make. Will you answer this challenge today? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.